Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. My guest today is Myra Holzman. Myra is a licensed clinical social worker and somatic therapist who specializes in helping people heal from the impacts of childhood trauma. Myra completed her undergraduate degree in psychology at the University of Michigan and her Master of Science in Social Work at the University of Texas at Austin. She's been a licensed clinical social worker since 2006. Myra is the founder and owner of a group psychotherapy practice called Somatic Therapy Partners, whose focus is on healing the nervous system, nurturing resilience, and increasing a client's healthy connection with their body. We're excited to have Myra with us today to discuss somatic therapy and her work with the somatic therapy partners. Myra, welcome to the show. So nice to have you here. Hi, Graham. Thanks so much for allowing me to be here. It's so fun. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. So have we. So yeah. we're glad you're with us. Glad we get to get started today. Hey, you know, as we start off, would you start us off by sharing actually just a little bit about yourself and what your life journey has been that's brought you into this work with trauma and utilizing somatic therapy? Yeah. Well, I'm sure that we've all heard this sort of saying that says we teach best or we do best the things that we have to learn and the places that we have to grow. And the truth of all of the work that I do is that it's really rooted in my own history of early trauma. Growing up with parents who were, you know, really challenging, came from a totally different cultural background. And then we moved here when I was two years old. So I grew up with immigrant parents who were still very much set in the Filipino ways of raising me and, you know, being bicultural, you know, one foot in the Filipino culture and one foot in American culture, that is something to navigate as a young person. And my parents didn't have to navigate it, but I did. So a lot of my work is really predicated on, and I'm thinking of this archetype of the wounded healer archetype, which I think in some places maybe gets some bad press, but I have to say, like, I really claimed my own experience of being a wounded healer, because I think it's what really drives my motivation forward to create this practice, to create, you know, services, to focus on the kind of learning that I've been working on in my career, focusing on somatics and then from somatics leading me down to early trauma. So that's what my entire outfit does here in Denver. Mm. Somatic therapy partners, our primary foci are anxiety and folks who struggle with the impacts of early trauma. And I find it really deeply gratifying and I would do it even if I wasn't getting paid. <laughs> I've heard, I, I have not met a, a, a clinician colleague of ours who has not said the same thing, yeah. that this work is so very rewarding and helping people reach their fullest potential by working through some of those things that they had no responsibility for incurring or experiencing, but they have responsibility now to heal. That's right. And to be able to have a pathway to heal is a pretty cool thing. So, you know, we're talking about you coming into this field and your experience, and I admire your honesty around that bicultural families are really challenging. You know, you're trying to navigate two very different worlds and it it is a challenging thing to do. And and you talked about being in this field of somatic therapy. Give us kind of a general overview of what is somatic therapy? Yeah. So the root word of somatics is soma and soma simply is referring to the body. And so what somatic psychotherapy is, it's a combination of top-down and bottom-up practices, meaning that, of course, I'm using mind-based practices, like I'm trained in DBT, I've been trained in ACT, but what I'm also doing as a trained somatic therapist is I am 
including the body as an ally in the healing process, because especially in, in my experience and in my opinion, early trauma doesn't get healed just by thinking differently about what happened or giving yourself mm -hmm. affirmations. We have to deal with the somatic, the body's patterns, survival patterns in particular that were created as a result of growing up in an environment in those first three to five years where maybe things were not so great or were challenging or just didn't feel safe. And so a lot of somatic therapy is about helping clients learn how to enter into their body in a very specific way so that they can access the information that's happening in their body that is often underneath the level of conscious awareness. Really good. I want to talk about some of the strategies that you use to help people kind of mine down into that awareness that it's there, but they just don't know it. But I want to come back to something you just said. We know from Van der Kolk's work and his work, he says, you know, the body holds the trauma. And that's exactly what you're saying right here. Soma, Soma's the body. Yeah. How are you helping folks, educating folks to understand this whole concept? And how are you helping them locate where they store their trauma? Fantastic. So the beginning work with clients 100% of the time involves nervous system education, you know, yeah. the sympathetic arousal system, the parasympathetic nervous system, and then more importantly, helping them understand how their maladaptive behaviors are ways that their body and their system is naturally trying to protect them and help them survive. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, so many clients come in and especially with early trauma, shame is so deeply embedded in the process of, you know, early adverse childhood experiences. Yeah. And my job is to help them, first of all, start to decrease the shame by helping them understand the biological underpinnings of why they act the way they act, why they feel the way that they feel about themselves. So that's really where it begins is giving them some education, decreasing some of that shame. And in my work, I see clients say all the time, especially over time, they will say things like, well, it makes sense why I completely yeah. lost my stuff with this person because they reminded me of my dad and I just went into a full fight response. And I'm like, what an important reframe for them. Right. It really depathologizes all of this and says, this is your best way to cope, isn't it? Or has been. That's right. Yep. So we do a lot of that kind of stuff of education and a lot of affirming of like, you know, it, I don't want you to do that behavior because it makes right. you feel ashamed and it hurts the people around you. And can you understand that what you're doing has been a learned protective response? You either learned how to fight, which is my default. I have a belief that everyone has a default survival response in general. So that we know that the basic ones are fight, flight, and freeze. So fight is mine. It's the thing that happens when I, anytime I'm under threat, you will see me start to clench my jaw, you know, clench my fists, and I will go into judgment and protective mode. Other people freeze and they can't do anything and they feel paralyzed. And then other folks run away or they avoid what's happening. And it's none of that is bad. It's simply information about where they are and how much threat their body is experiencing that they're going into these automatic set of behaviors and thoughts. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Are you preparing for a licensure exam in psychology, social work, marriage and family therapy, counseling, or behavioral analysis? AATBS is here to help. We have been supporting behavioral mental health students to prepare for their licensure exams for more than 45 years, working with over 1 million students to succeed on test day and move on to the next step in their career. With products ranging from comprehensive courses to quiz banks and delivered live online, self-study online, and in print, AATBS has test prep solutions that meet every student's needs and learning styles. Visit us today at aatbs.com. That's aatbs.com. And use promo code BHT15 to save 15% off your next purchase. 
what a helpful thing to let people know, you know, that this is your body's best way to take care of yourself. And you're usually young when this is developing. Our nervous system, our, you know, sympathetic nervous system has sympathy on us during those times. And, you know, we develop these really kind of survival based, I'm glad we have it, kind of ways of getting through those times. We fight, we flight. I think there's some, maybe a couple of others we could fight. We know we know about the fight or flight and we freeze. Mm-hmm. There's also fade. We kind of want to fade into the background and not be seen. There's yeah. also fawn, yes. where you come in and you fawn and you, you know, you're placating things. You're trying to make things better. These are all strategies, like you're saying, to manage the terror in front of you. But what you're starting to say is that while those were the best ways to take care of yourself all of these years, and isn't it great you had those? They're disrupting your healthiest functioning now and is probably interfering with the very things you want to have. So what if we find ways to incorporate the parasympathetic nervous, the para, paramedic, paramedics make us feel things that are better and we can regulate maybe through some of the somatic therapy. So let's, let's get into something here then. So often in the treatment of trauma, we utilize the CBT approach, helping folks recognize that their thoughts and their self-statements in the moment are not in fact real nor are they occurring in the moment, but it feels like it, thus allowing them kind of to reality test the moment and see that they're actually safe, thereby allowing them to generalize, you know, other moments of reactivity in a similar manner down the road. That's right. But what you're finding is that the incorporation of a somatic focus and practice can accentuate working through trauma. That's right. And you've written, you know, you've written about this. You began, you talked about how you did your training with Peter Levin and his approach to healing shock trauma and somatic experiences. Talk about some of the, the strategies that you found helpful in helping people now that they understand that you've educated them, but how do you begin to kind of work down into that through yeah. those strategies that you use? Great. So the first thing that I'm always wanting to orient clients to, and this is sometimes a negotiation, is helping them find a way to come into their bodily experience in such a way that they don't get re-traumatized because the nature of trauma is that most people don't want to come into their body because the minute that they sense anything, it feels like a war zone, right? They're, they're in battle. They can't breathe. They've got all of these kinds of symptoms of PTSD. They're back in that state, literally, aren't they? I mean, those traumas get locked at that emotional state, at that emotional age, and they're literally reliving it, aren't they? That's right. They're reliving it and they they can't help it. It's not their fault that they're reliving it. And so one of the most basic building blocks that is akin to helping clients to embody safety, which is one of our big things that we do in somatic therapy is helping a client's embody safety, is helping a client start orienting just really simply to pleasant enough sensations, Mm. right? So at the end of my first session, I will typically say something like, you know, it seems like we were really connected today and that maybe you got some usefulness out of the session. And I just want to check in with you. How was the session for you? And they'll say really good, right? Yeah. Typically that's what they'll say. And I'll say, how does your body tell you that this session was really good? And they won't necessarily know because they don't have the language of the body and they'll be like, well, oh, I don't know. Or maybe they'll say a little something and I'll say, well, I noticed that right here at the end, you're giving me more eye contact that you've given, than you've given me in the entire hour. Your shoulders are down away from your ears and I can see you're breathing in a long and steady way. And so I just want you, you know, see if you could notice the things that I just named and notice how it feels to experience that to hear together. That is and, really some important mirroring, isn't it? Yes. Wow. That's right. And what's their typical response? Kind of like an aha. What do they tend to respond with even in that first session? 
Yeah. Part of what I'm doing throughout the entire session is doing exactly what I just sort of modeled, right? right. Like, oh, I noticed when you were talking about your mom, you kind of stopped breathing. And did you notice that your shoulders came up by your ears? And they'll look at me like I'm nuts, like I read their mind. And I'm like, yeah, so right. just notice. So, you know, if it feels okay for you, just see what might happen if you were to drop your shoulders and let's go yes. from there. And not everybody can do that because we have to work in really small titrated right. bits, right? So titration working in little bits at a time. This yeah. is a somatic experiencing concept because if we don't do that, then they're going to pendulate back into the trauma response and it's going to be a big one. Right. So we have to actually do these little bits with no pressure, no demand on the client to be any different than they are, but simply just to notice how does it feel to be in your body when you feel safe enough with me after this first session or connected enough that you didn't feel judged, you felt like I understood you, et cetera. That's really, that's the building block to everything is pleasant enough experiences, as well as, hey, by the way, the experiences you're talking about are signs potentially of safety of relational safety. This is an embodied experience. Safety is something you can do in your environment, but in terms of trauma healing, how clients really heals is when they can come back into their body yes. and be like, I know how to feel safe. I did that in my recession. So let me just do some of these skills and let me just remember what it feels like to feel understood. And then they learn how to track their body and then they come right into their parasympathetic rest and digest, restore function of their nervous system, which likely they have not had much access to. And I'm saying that from the perspective of working mainly with clients who have anxiety versus clients who struggle with depression. So I'll just be clear about that frame. So you're really working very much in the here and now, a very experienced near and allowing in that moment, just observations to be made that actually not just draw attention on the patient's part to themselves, but also get them to see that, hey, I never realized that I would do this or carry it this way. That's right. And what, what a cool in the moment. I also know that you do some mind-body exercises like breath work or meditation and mm -hmm. some other pieces. And, and I want to get into one of the pieces here, but talk a little bit about how you incorporate those aspects as strategies? So the main pathway that I use, because my specialization is anxiety and, and folks who are struggling with the impacts of early trauma is co-regulating touch. And so touch is really the way, like I can do all of those other things too, like meditation and breath work, and those are really helpful. And I call those self-regulation pieces, but with the touch piece, we're really working on working inside of the nervous system and how it functions and helping the nervous system settle. And we'll get more into it, but that's really my main pathway. So again, it's this combination of top-down, so breathing and self-regulation practices, because yeah. self-regulation practices, even if you are, even when I'm telling a client to just notice how it feels to breathe, there's still a lot of top-down elements to it. And when you're really working from a deeply bottom-up experience, Part of what I have to do as a clinician is trust that the nervous system knows exactly what it knows how to yeah. do, which is to be in balance and regulation. So that's my main way of helping clients do this mind-body connection is I'm applying this safe enough touch with someone that is safe enough for them. And the reason why I'm saying safe enough is because I never want to define for people what safety is. My sense of safety is going to be really different than yours or somebody else's. Right. So I use that term safe enough so that clients don't feel like they've got to suddenly feel safe just because I said so. So I just wanted to make that clear. But yeah, the kind of results with clients who struggle with early trauma, I haven't seen that kind of positive results in any other modality that I've been trained in, including somatic experiencing as I have with co-regulating touch. I'd like to get into the co-regulating touch and what people experience with you in doing it. But I want to highlight something here you're saying too. You know, earlier you said that people don't want to get into their bodies because the body holds the trauma. 
And there's this fear that if I go there, I'm I'm not going to be able to trust this. In fact, they're afraid of their bodies at some point. But what you're reframing here and making safe for them is helping them view that their body is actually their ally in healing. You made it safe for the very first time. That's right. What what, What a cool reframe. And for them to be actually be able to go to the very place that they live in. That's right. And I think that's a, a, a wonderful reframe. So let's go into that part of what is co-regulating touch and what's occurring in that process you're saying is so transformative. Yeah. So co-regulating touch was created by my teachers, Kathy Kane and Stephen Terrell. And basically, I'll just give you the sort of basic raw of what co-regulating touch is. Basically, when clients come in and they have this session with me, I am holding certain places in their body that we consider the regulatory places in their body. So the kidneys, right? So right above the kidney is the adrenal system, which, you know, plugs into the hypothalamic pituitary axis, which is a huge part of regulation. Brainstem, of course, which is the place for hypervigilance and all kinds Mm -hmm. of regulation processes. Sometimes the stomach that we know is our second brain and gives us, you know, gives the brain a lot more information, a lot Mm -hmm. of information than the rest of the body. So I'm holding these places and I'm holding these places with a certain attitude and that, you know, part of that attitude is being deeply attuned to what's happening, not just in their body, but also with what I'm observing, as well as how it feels for me to be in connection with them. What does that mean holding in this case? Yeah. So what I'm actually physically doing is when they're lying on my table, face up, fully clothed, my hand is underneath their back, close to about where the kidney would lay inside the body. My attention is going inward towards that kidney adrenal system. And I'm holding space. So not only am I physically holding them, but I'm also listening to the kidney adrenal. I'm observing the fullness of their system so that it's not just about the kidney adrenal system. And then I'm doing that relational work, right? Of my teachers call it coup behaviors, right? So here's the quick example. It's one thing to change a baby's diaper and then get it done and put them back in the crib, right? It's another thing to pick up a baby and say things like, oh, sweetheart, you're wet. Oh, it's time for you. Let's change you. Oh, that's so uncomfortable. Okay, let me change you, put you. Okay, good. Let's get you a bottle. Let's go play. Those coup behaviors are just, it's like breathing for a child, that loving, spacious, attunement care. That is, that's what it is. So it's this whole, why I love CRT so much is because it's for us as a clinician, it is such a holistic response. I mean, I'm trained in physiology. I'm trained in nervous system regulation. I'm trained in the theory of attachment and somatic experiencing all of these things. But what really deepened for me was my ability to be attuned and fully present to meet exactly what shows up versus being a clinician that I used to be. That was like, here's what we're doing today. Here's the agenda. And no matter what, we're going to get this done. That's different, right? That's a mind-based thing. Attunement is like that integration of mind-body where we are really in it together right now. Yeah. So again, you're trusting the body to be an ally in this and listening to how the body wants to heal and has the capacity to heal. We just have to tap into that. That's right. And incorporate in the healing process. That's right. So part of this involves at times people laying on a table fully clothed. I, I'm wondering, I, when I first started out, there was a, a practice called healing touch. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, this might be something similar, but maybe a little more advanced, but something maybe that I'm not sure if that was a, an, an origin of this co-regulating touch, but very similar to what, what you're describing. And it is a, a, a very relaxing, I've gone through it post-surgery nice. and it was the most soothing experience yeah. I, I've had after a, a real trauma that was, it was a neck injury and Yep. Oh my goodness. I was in a tremendous amount of pain and and I had a good colleague come in and do it with me. 
What a transformation that helped. But you're talking about something very similar. So someone's on a couch, you're uh, on, on your table rather, and fully clothed, and there's maybe some touching or focusing on an area. Walk us through what a session might look like as they're doing that. What yeah. are you saying? What are they saying? What's coming up? Absolutely. So, you know, part of creating safety is I need to explain to the clients what we're doing to the best of my ability and then answering any of their questions before. So we do that before we get them to the table. Once they get to the table, we do a consent exercise. And it is surprising how effective that can be for some clients, right? And I, what I do is I simply say, okay, with your permission, I'd like to put my hand on your forearm yeah. for anywhere, you know, for maybe three to five seconds. And then I want you to tell me to stop. And as soon as you tell me to stop, you're going to feel my hand withdraw. And then I just, I'm going to want you to notice how that feels for you. Some clients, it's no problem. Other times it brings up so much that we're working. We're already right there. We're in the vortex. We're working with everything, right? You're giving them control. That's right. Yeah. yeah. They, I'm giving they didn't them have choice. control. They, they, yeah. Choice and control. And they never had either of those in their trauma That's or even right. in their anxiety. That's right. And that consent I mean, piece is consistent. We have, we, at, you know, ethically and integrity wise, we have to do that. And I train all my clinicians, like don't bypass the consent piece. Even when a client yeah. is like, I don't need to do that. It's like, okay, you might not need to do that, but let's do it anyway. Yeah. And then typically we start working with the kidneys because for a lot of clients, it's just easier access. It's, it's a less triggering place in the body, depending on the client to start with. And it's really passive. If you came to my office and saw me doing this, you would see me sitting right next to the client with my hand under their back. I'd be, mm -hmm. I'll tell you the things that I typically say, but it's passive. It, I'm not a body worker. I'm a somatic therapist that applies therapeutic touch. That's really what I do, right? It's different. And so I'm not trying to manipulate joints or musculature or fascia or any of that kind of stuff. And as we're sitting there, I'm not doing a lot of talking. I'm just checking in. And, and one of the first things I say to clients is, you know, when we do this work, there's no demand being placed on you. I don't need you to regulate yourself. You don't need to breathe a certain way. You don't need to think good thoughts while you're on the table. Right. I'm going to invite you to just be. And if you need anything, I'm going to be right here with you. And so sometimes it's quiet. Sometimes we're chatting. And one of the things I'm always saying to the clients, especially when there's been sort of, you know, maybe a minute or two of silence, I will say things like, I'm right here with you. Mm. Or, yeah, I've got you all as well. And all I'm doing is doing that soothing kind of like, you know, parenting thing of like, there's no problems here. You don't have to worry about anything. And more importantly, we are in this together. Because again, for clients with early trauma, and I can speak for myself, I was in it by myself all the time is what it felt like. So to have a safe enough other going, yeah, no problem. You want to stop? Let's do that. Okay, this feels good. Great. Tell me more. Is there anything you want to say? That starts to really rewire that early patterning of, you know, either gripping or going into collapse. So they learn more and more through a very supported, very reassuring, very comforting presence that you bring, plus the touch aspect of it, to hold, almost like build some emotional muscle to hold these once very anxiety-producing, very stimulating, very frightening feelings, to be able to hold those more and more. And as we do, they can be integrated in a new way. They don't have to be avoided. They don't have right. to be afraid of them. They get to see that they were just feelings that That's they can right. work through and hold in a much more effectively tolerant way. That's right. Yeah. You know, one other thing I want to say about this that I also say to clients, and the reason why I tell them not to try and think good thoughts or control their breathing is because when you are struggling with the impacts of early trauma, whether you know it or not, you are constantly managing. You, as that person, you are constantly trying to regulate by drinking, you know, taking drugs, seeing certain kinds of people, organizing your house, 
et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. when they get on the table, they finally okay. get that baby experience of being regulated without having to work for it. That is a really different proposition to feel your nervous system kind of settle down without you having to do everything in your power, like in inside of yourself, as well as your environment to make that happen. And that is, I mean, there's so many things I think contribute to a sense of embodied safety, but I think that's part of it. It's like, you mean I get to feel like good and okay and settled and I don't have to work my butt off in order to yeah. just like be able to breathe freely? Yeah. I would, I would imagine some people very early on have got to come back to you and say, I have never, basically they're getting, they're getting introduced to their real selves, their self without trauma, their self without being activated or hijacked by these emotions. And maybe for the very first time, recognizing what it's, what their intended design was meant to be. That's right. Lived in. Yes. And what a wonderful gift yeah. that you're giving them and they're achieving and, and kind of healing towards. But That's they right. must say, I, I, I get to be in this state all the time. Really? This is what I get to be living in. This is what I'm intended to be living in. Yeah. That's got to be quite an awakening for them. It really is. I, you know, I tell this story from time to time, but I remember earlier on when I first learned how to do this work, I was working with a client who was maybe like her first or second session. Her first session, her body was in a lot of resistance. I couldn't get a lot of connection to it, which was fine. I just made myself available. Second session, she comes in, we do kidney work and we do a little bit of brainstem. She sits up and she had kind of fallen into a deep rest state. And she sits up and I'm like, okay, just take your time. How are you doing? And she's like, yeah, I think I'm okay. But she's really, really out of it. And within a few seconds, as her conscious mind comes back online, she starts crying. Yeah. And she says, what's happening? I said, what do you think is happening? And she says, I don't understand. And she was really confused about her bodily experience. And I said something like, you know, I, it looks like you got pretty relaxed, like you settled into a really deeply restorative state. And I just wonder if your tears and confusion are about the fact yes. that maybe you've never felt this before. And then she had this big release and she was crying even more because she realized just how, you know, grit oh, yeah. and sort of like up in her sympathetic nervous system she's been her whole life. Man. And it was, it was one of those moments. And I hear about it from my other clinicians too, where like clients start crying in that first session and they come to understand like, God, this feels so good. But yeah. of course they also get connected to the loss of the fact that they didn't have it their whole life. So it is, it's a, it's a remarkable experience for clients to have, to feel a sense of regulation, a sense of embodied safety and alertness and relaxation at the same time. That's how I describe what it feels like to be regulated. When you're regulated, you're both alert as well as relaxed, right? So yes. you've got that balance between the parasympathetic and the, and the sympathetic yep. nervous system. And that's what we're going for. In a calm homeostatic state that lets you just be in the moment, not guarded, not braced, but just very, very present. I, I love that. Myra, who, who do you find being attracted to this type of work? I know you said you specialize with anxiety, but who, who tends to come to see you and what are they going through in their lives that would bring them to see you? So the people that tend to want to come to see me, what I have noticed is that they're, I call them high level clients, and this is not to denigrate anybody else, but clients that have done a lot of work. I'm talking mm -hmm. like three to 25 years of therapy. They've gone to see yeah. the shamans. They've seen the nutritionist. They've worked the physical therapist. They've done acupuncture. They've done all these things. And yet there is this thing that they just can't quite get a hold of, whether it's yeah. 
their low self-esteem and the way they're super hard on themselves are still feeling really anxious and a lot of different sort of relational parts of their lives. So the clients that want to come see me are people who have already done a lot of work spiritually, psychologically, and otherwise. And they're just like, but I'm not where I should be given how much work I've done for myself. And I can even attest to that. I mean, I can't tell you how often prior to getting co-regulating touch training, my issues would come up and I'd be like, really? Like after all of this training and all of this work, I'm still dealing with my dad issues? Like, come on. So those are the people that generally tend to come. And then, you know, for the practice, the people that tend to come are people who are, who have either heard about somatic therapy or are highly curious because they know people who have done really amazing work with a somatic approach to their psychotherapy. That's so good. In terms of the benefits and the successes that you're seeing, how are people's lives changed afterwards? And how does that work in therapy then generalize out into their day-to-day life? Yeah. One of the first things that I start to see happen is clients have a greater ability to pivot when they come into triggered states or activated states. Mm -hmm. So instead of going into whatever their set of behaviors was to shut down, run away, get in a fight or whatever it might be, they have this ability. It's like their observer self gets stronger and Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, you could do all of that stuff, but God, that would be exhausting. Right. So they have, and and, you know, back to this idea of choice, which when you are experienced trauma, there was no choice. They now have this choice in how they want to respond. And that goes such a long way psychologically in terms of reducing shame, increasing Mm -hmm. confidence, increasing connection to their body. That's one of the big things. The second thing that I find also really remarkable because we know that shame and trauma are so embedded, especially in those early states, is that their ability to be more self-compassionate is Mm -hmm nothing short of miraculous. Like, I love that. Like client after client, I will hear them say things like, yeah, I really didn't act the way that I wanted to, but I really, again, I really understood why I did the things that I did. And I'm just trying to like, you know, soothe myself and figure out how to do it a different way. So That's those are so the good. two big things. They don't have to do their maladaptive behaviors nearly as much. And their ability to be self-compassionate is through the roof. Man, man, that's fantastic. Yeah, I want to talk to, I uh, have you talk to our practitioner colleagues. When we're working with trauma, it's a big ask for the clinician to be able to sit with and hold aspects of trauma that are, that are challenging until the person themselves that they're working with can take more and more back of that trauma. And talk to our practitioner colleagues listening in today that work with trauma and share some, maybe just some little pithy tips that they could use to help regulate and soothe themselves as they work with patients that are dealing with trauma. Yeah. So one of the things, because I train clinicians in this, and I've also mentored clinicians in this, but I think we can get so wrapped up in what's happening with our client that we can forget ourselves in the session. Mm -hmm. And as a somatic-based therapist, first of all, one of the things that I believe is that I have to be the most regulated person in the room. Because if I merge with the client and I join them in their terror or their disgust or shame, all is lost, so to speak. And so to that end, one of the things I am consistently doing throughout the session is checking in with how I'm doing. And I'm doing that from a bodily perspective. I'm noticing if I'm breathing fully and easily. I'm noticing if I'm, and I'm going to turn my head so you can see, because I used to do this early on. I'm Mm -hmm. noticing if my posture is out of alignment because I'm listening so hard to the client that my, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm bringing my own spine out of alignment by jutting my head forward. Mm -hmm. So, and the other thing too, is that when clients are talking about really hard things, because we are in some ways visualizing and hearing what's happening as well as experiencing them experiencing it. Right. Mm -hmm. 
I move my body pretty consistently in session. And all that means is like, if I'm sitting pretty square and my legs are crossed, I might just sort of take a moment as they're talking about something hard and sit like this Yes. and take a breath. Or I might do something that just allows my body to not join their physiology yes. in that trauma yes. response. And moving the body keeps us out of freeze, right? Is it a lot like when we do, do movement and we're tracking it, we also can feel like, oh, that feels better. I can sit back a little bit more. Right. So a lot of it is teaching clinicians, how do you come back to yourself and how do you yeah. know when you're actually grounded and centered? Because if you can't tell me somatically in your body what that feels like, that's where we need to start, right? So basic ones are like, oh, I can breathe pretty easy. My yeah. eyes feel soft in the back of my head. My shoulders are away from my ears and I'm not clenching any part of my body. Again, it's that alert, relaxed state that I'm looking for inside of myself so that I can not only be modeling, but you know, part of co-regulation is that we're creating this together. And again, I have to be the most co-regulated person because in some ways they're regulating off of my responses and how- Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Really good. Really good. As we wind down here, Myra, for today, I, I'd like you to leave our listeners with a message. Maybe those that might be struggling and holding a lot. What might you say to them about, you know, considering- incorporating the power of somatic therapy into their own healing and growth. What I want to say is that learning how to befriend your nervous system, like really befriend it. And part of that also means befriending your body and the really important information that it's trying to get to your mind all of the time is one of the most, in my experience, holistic and sustainable ways to do healing. And also no. that healing isn't about being Zen all of the time and being no. happy and everything. What I would say is whoever is embarking on the healing journey and the healing journey is really about how compassionately you can meet every experience that arises for you in your life as you move forward. It's not about trying to, cause I hear a lot of clients come in and they will say things like, well, I, I should have done better. And I'm like, well, who's criticizing yes. you? Right. Versus like, yeah, I'm feeling really hurt and I wish I wasn't feeling really hurt, but here's what's here right now. And I'm just trying to figure out how to show up for it. That to me that's is right. what healing is about. So that's what I'm really saying. Really good. Yeah, I appreciate that. Hey, I would love our listeners to learn how to get in touch with you and also Somatic Therapy Partners. Give us some resources. Yeah. So you can find us at somatictherapypartners.com. Okay. We are launching one of my clinicians who is a breathwork, yogi, Reiki instructor and also a clinician is going to be launching a reset your nervous system nine week course that incorporates all the principles of somatics as well as nervous system regulation and then using breath work and yoga and sound healing and Reiki as part of it. So that's coming up. And we also have a resilience quiz on our website that people can take just yeah, to sort of that. figure out where they might be in terms of how they might want to begin. I think it's a good, good way to look at because that's what we're really trying to build is physiological and psychological resilience. Excellent. Yeah. Before we sign off, I was um, I was looking at your curriculum vita, and I saw that there was about a ten year gap between you getting your undergrad and your graduate degrees. Out of curiosity, what were you doing in that ten years? Yeah, in those ten years between those those two schoolings, I was a mountaineering instructor for Outward Bound all across the world. I so it. I did it in Colorado, I did it in South Africa, and I did it in California. And it's some of the best, I mean, it's some of the best times of my life is because where I cut my teeth and learned how to be confident and facilitate a whole yes. bunch of things. Plus, I really love the mountains. So I did that for a long time. I was basically an cool. outdoor recreationalist doing all the things. 
That's very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Myra, it's been fantastic to have you with us today. Thank you so much. What a great guest and what a wonderful practice you have and what great opportunities people have to heal with you and ideally in this in the, in the incorporation of somatic therapy into their own practice as well. So thank you for being with us today. Yeah. Thank you, Graham, for being such an attuned podcast host. I have really enjoyed your presence and your questions. So thank you. Well, for I appreciate that. Here. Yeah. Thank you again. Thank you. Also want to thank you, our listeners, for dropping by and joining Myra and me today. It's always great to have you with us. Regarding our episode today, I want to remind you that it and an archive of all of our other episodes and resource materials can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash BHT. Thanks again for being with us on the show, and we'll look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavioral Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.